Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. We're joined by the one and only, you know him from Learfield, BC Radio Network. Scott Mutrin joins us here. And, uh, you know, I hope we would wish under better times, uh, BC 4-0, now 4-4, own 4 conference play, a tough uh, 21-6 conference lost up in Syracuse. So we'll get to all that. First, I'd like to remind everybody, though, if you're a BC football fan, you got to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. I know they had a great party at the Hilton outside Syracuse before the game uh, Friday and Saturday. They do it for all the road trips, home games, you know it. That's the BC Football Gridiron Club. All right, with that, we welcome in Scott Mutrin. He was on the call for the game, uh, Scott, a, there's no, you know, you try to always be positive, but it's tough to spin this one now. 21-6, to six, a tough loss for the Eagles. Yeah, definitely a tough loss for the Eagles. And, uh, you know, he started out the game looking pretty good, get, you know, opening drive, get down to the red zone, and we're only able to get uh, three points out of that. Uh, actually, uh, got stopped on fourth down, and then, you know, three points in the first half when they had some other opportunities. And then the second half defensively just gave up a couple breakdowns, which allowed... Syracuse's uh, running game, which is uh, you know pretty dynamic, to uh, to make some plays and and burst out some big runs, and that was kind of the difference of the game. And then BC's just inability to um, create any space on offense and make some big plays in the passing game is, which has been their Achilles heel these last couple games, kind of uh, came to fruition again uh, this past weekend. Okay, so the number one topic we're talking about is the QB situation. You're a former QB yourself, Dennis Grossell. Uh, 9 for 17, 93 yards. We first time now of true freshman Emmett Moorhead, uh, 6 of 15, uh, 87 yards. So both guys kind of split a lot of action. Moorhead came in on the third drive, I believe it was. Um, just, first of all, your thoughts. I'd like to get your thoughts as a QB. What do you what are you thinking as from each perspective as a dual options and uh, your thoughts on each guy's performance? Uh, I think you know, Dennis came in and they started out um, and did pretty well the first drive and uh, hit some hit some uh, hit some short passes that really kind of opened up the uh, the perimeter for BC. Uh, and then uh, you know, kind of the same uh, reared its ugly head again. The same thing is the inability to connect with Dave Flowers on some open deep balls. And then uh, Emmett came in and. Missed his first one on his first throw, and it's kind of funny. Usually when you bring in a, a young QB, you try to settle him in with some short throws, and his first three passes were all deep shots down the field. And missed his first one, but then connected with Dave Flowers on a 40-yard pass for his first completion in a BC uniform. And the, the, the thing that really came to roost, and you kind of have seen it the last couple of weeks, is a lot of teams are really crowding the line of scrimmage at, at Boston College and, and daring them to uh, make some plays. And then they're bringing pressure. And uh, BC kind of struggled up front to to protect the quarterback. They were getting hit a good amount of times. There, I think four or five sacks in this past game. And 
that's tough for a young a young guy to come in and, and take some shots because it's a different game than what he's used to playing in high school. No matter how great of a high school program you come from or how great of a league, it's still a step above when you come to the ACC and start playing grown men out there. And uh, and I think uh, like any young player, especially a freshman, would do when you get hit a couple times, you, you get a little bit skittish there. And, and I think he... Um, you know, he took a couple good shots, and, uh, and I think that kind of maybe uh, put him behind the eight ball a little bit, and then they brought Dennis in to kind of finish out the game. But, uh, you know, both of them had, had moments where they looked pretty good, but just the lack of consistency there has really, really um, hurt the position and put a lot of strain on the rest of the offense because you're asking the offensive line to step up and pick up a lot more pressure than maybe they would see. Uh, back's got to pick back to tight ends as well, and then you're asking the receivers to get open uh, versus tight coverage right in an obvious passing situation. So there's just a lot of factors going into them offensively that are attributing to their struggles. So if you're Halfley, I mean, wh- wh- what do you do now next game? With, do you stick with one QB or do you kind of pick one? What, which guy are you using if you're the Scott Coach Mutrin, head coach of Boston College? What, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> well, luckily for everybody uh, that listens, I am not uh, the head coach of Boston College because I'm sure they would come and be quite unhappy with my decisions. But no. uh, Jeff, Jeff Halfley mentioned this in his press conference. He doesn't really like rotating two guys in there. And as a former QB, I, I don't like it that much as well. Yeah, I think you really – part of playing that position is getting in a rhythm. You know, sometimes you, you're getting hit and being a part of the game. And when, you, when you're coming in and coming out, it's tough to get that rhythm and confidence. So I think most coaches are, are prone to wanting to just stick with one guy and, and let him go. And I think now that you have some game tape on, on Emmett and see what he did well, see what he did wrong, um, do you want to continue to go with him and expand the package for him, maybe design some different things that you take some of the pressure off him and the offensive lineman, whether it's getting the ball out of his hand quickly, whether it's some crossing routes, rub routes versus man coverage to free up some receivers, whether it's screen routes, uh, screens to the back, screens to some tunnel screens to the wide receivers. Do you want to put something like that in to ease some of the burden on him and the other guys out there um, and let him go? Did you see enough from him in this game that you want to kind of give him the reins and let him go? Or, or do you want to protect him from himself and, because he's not ready? Uh, he didn't get a lot of reps you know, up until Phil got hurt running the BC offense. He did the scout team and he, he did all that other stuff. And uh, most people don't realize that that's a completely different brand and it's completely different getting adjusted to that and the timing and the speed of all that. And then run, and the terminology of running your own offense, BC is not like uh, you know, a lot of those spread teams that use cards and, and simplify the playbook. They have a pretty diverse playbook. So there's a lot that goes into it mentally on top of all the physical things that you need to be able to do. So um, I think BC needs to look at this tape and and see from Emmett's demeanor and his thoughts coming out of it, um, is he ready? Is he ready to handle it? And sometimes the answer is no, and that's fine because you don't want to ruin him. You want to. You want. You don't want to. You know, I played at a very young age. I played in the, my third game at BC and went through some struggles, and it can shake your confidence. And as you, as a quarterback, that's that's something that you you live and die on. Is that confidence and that swag that swagger that everyone kind of responds to. And when that shook, uh, it's kind of the coach's job to, to almost take that decision out of his hands. And if they see that he's not ready or it's just a little too much for him right now, they need to kind of save him from himself. So um, I, 
I don't know what that decision is going to be. I'm not in the room watching the film. I can just base it on what I saw. I know he, he definitely has physical ability to play. I think you've seen a lot of Dennis, and he has a, some bright spots too. He has, you know, some things that uh, he's been lacking on in some of these, these last four games, these losses that, that have hurt Boston College. But it's easy to blame it all on one position. I think as a collective whole, They've struggled as an offense. You know, you've seen the stats after scoring 41 versus uh, Missouri. They've scored 40 points the last four games. And that's tough to win when you're only averaging about 10 points a game. So um, I, I really just think that uh, it, that position and with Coach Hapley, they're, they're better off probably um, staying with some guy and then trying to either find some things schematically or personnel-wise to help put them in better situations where they can be successful. And I think that's what he kind of addressed this week at his press conference. So what you just said was very interesting to me about your career. Do you, Looking back now, these years later, do you almost wish you didn't play early on and kind of were able to build up some more confidence and kind of play later in your career? Um, yeah, I mean, I've I reflected on it a lot as you get older, you do that. Um, I don't regret going in there. I wish um, the circumstances would have been as such that I would have been able to grow um, into that and, and continue to play. Instead of I played one game, then I, I sat for a couple and then would get in relief duty and some, some other games. Um, I wish they would have been able, I would have been able to kind of learn as I played. I, I was the type of guy that I would have rather played and, and gotten better instead of the spot duty of going in and coming in and coming out. I think that was kind of a detriment to me. Um, but I, you have to understand where the coaches are coming from is we had a veteran team there um, that it just came off a really you know big season, and they, they had a lot of guys, and they, they wanted to win, and they had high expectations for going to a major bowl game. So they didn't have the luxury of breaking in a freshman quarterback. So I would understand that. But from my perspective personally, that, that's what would have been best for me is a chance to just go out there, play, maybe make some mistakes, but you know stick with stick with me and have confidence to grow with me through those mistakes and and learn with me and know that I was ready and coach me up and give me a chance to play. And if that wasn't the case, then I would have rather have not played and gotten a year under my belt. I ended up redshirting my sophomore year, but you still have that experience of you played probably not to the best that you wanted, that I wanted to play, and then you're not playing and then you're sitting again, and when you sit and watch, your your mind does crazy things to you. <laughs> so it, it makes you think and reflect on a lot of things that you did, a lot of the things that you did wrong, if you're ever going to get a chance again, and all those things that in your head and the doubt, and, and those are the things that are killer for a quarterback. And when you're 19 years old, you don't really have, um, at least at that time, I didn't have an outlet or someone to go in and kind of talk to about those things because coaches were worried about game planning, getting ready for the next opponent. So... Um, you know, I'm, a lot of that's on me, not going and finding the right places, and I, I kind of see that now. You know, 20 some years in, in retrospect, which doesn't really do me any good, but you at least are able to reflect on some. Of, I'm able to reflect on some of those things and, and look back at it and, and say what what would have been a better situation for me. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. And then you, you what you have to wonder too I would think as a QB this dual situation it's gotta be tough to always watch it behind your back if you make one mistake you know are you gonna get pulled out are you gonna and that, that's right. a tough way to operate I would think it's a very tough way to operate because you you don't want to take away some of the aggressiveness and some of your talents by worrying about if I make a mistake am I coming out of the game um, and when you have that over your shoulder which 
which I did, um, that's that's a tough way to play, especially as a young quarterback. And it's even tougher to play as, as an older guy because doubt creeps in there. And that's the last thing you want to have in your head um, as you're playing. So it, it just doesn't allow you to play as freely and as confidently as you want to. And so that's going to be, that's going to be something we're going to watch as uh, Moorhead and Grossell kind of finish out this year and how it all plays out. It's very, very interesting. Okay, getting back to the game, uh, offensive line, you mentioned it earlier, Scott. I mean, wh- what do you think is going on? This unit was very heralded. They played well early on. The rushing seems to be the, – the rush block seems to be okay. But you're right. I mean, the QBs had no time. Um, wh- what's happening to this unit, you think? I know Rabel's hurt, but uh, I think it's a little deeper than that. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Well... I think some of it is the the circumstances. Because of them having fill out, uh, a lot of teams watch film and they, they, they know some of BC's tendencies and they know that they're going to want to run the football. So by BC wanting to run the football, what do you do as a defense? You crowd the line of scrimmage and try to take away that running game and force them to throw the football. Then when you get into obvious passing situations, you do, you know, do a couple things. You change up looks start bringing in stunts you start bringing in zone dogs you start bringing in blitzes and then that becomes more of an issue for the offensive line because that's that's not easy when the defense knows you have to throw the football it makes their job a lot easier they're not having to defend half of half of the offense so um what you saw this past weekend in syracuse is syracuse is extremely aggressive like louisville brought a lot of pressures um, and they brought a lot of unique kind of delay blitzes where if BC was keeping extra guys in, that they would, they would kind of delay blitz, and that wreaks havoc on your protection. And it's tough to do at the collegiate level. Um, you're having running backs kind of scanning. You're having linemen that start on one guy that thinks he's not coming, and then he comes late. It can cause some mind games with you right there. And, and then also when you're in obvious passing situations, like one of the sacks, there's only a three-man rush, but – the defensive end's coming, you know, right off the edge because he knows he's throwing the football and he's able to sack the quarterback because he gets an angle on the left tackle. I think it was Jack Conley at the time. Um, there's stuff that they can do to, to chip and, and help in that situation and still get out of routes where they can at least help their offense, the offensive line a little bit. I think that um, when a defense knows you're just passing, they're able to kind of uh, – just rear their ears back and come at you full bore and they're not really playing honestly so you have to take that into account um, in your protections wise so uh, for me it's just it's something that it's more of a byproduct of the offense as a whole instead of the individuals on the offensive line Uh, I think that uh, it's a tough ask when when they know that you're only going to do one thing to try to do that even the best offensive line um, and the country is going to struggle with that because uh, it's just it, it, it's tough to do. Even if you have the numbers, um, the numbers uh, in your favor, it's still tough to block that up. 
And then just kind of put a wrap on the Syracuse game. Um, the defense, I thought, played pretty well. Uh, it held, really, Syracuse to 21 points, but was it only one of those or a touch on the offensive side? Uh, what are your thoughts on the BC defensive unit? Yeah, the first half, they played really, really well. I think Syracuse is a run-dominated team. Uh, changes from years past. Schrader is a good quarterback. He's not a very diverse quarterback. He's, uh, he's a guy that's going to look at his first read if it's not there he's going to run and they do a lot of motions and bootlegs that can cause uh, defenses to lose their gap integrity and on those two big touchdown runs that's exactly what happened uh, they just they had a guy in the hole and he just he just did, wasn't able to make a play and that's the um, you know that's a that's a frustrating part and as a defense you have to you, like you said you really only give up 14 points the other one was a special teams touchdown. So you feel that you played well, even though you, you still gave up 300 yards rushing. And that's tough. You know, Syracuse didn't have to throw the ball a ton, but that's because they're having so much success running the football. Um, I think BC needs to do a, you know, a better job of, um, you know, being consistent in the running game. Now, I can go into the numbers and say, well, okay, they ran for 300 yards, but three of those play like two of those plays I know were a hundred I think one was like a 51 yard and one's a 49 yarder so you have like 100 yards in two plays so if you take that out and then look at the attempt that changes everything so you can make the numbers kind of what you want them to look at but if you take those two out then how does the defense play against the run and how did they play against the run so I, I think that they they had a good effort it's tough to ask any team to be perfect um, a lot of teams, like especially you've seen with Louisville and Syracuse the last two weeks, is that they've had success uh, running the football, and they're they don't feel the need to have to be overly aggressive because of the struggles that BC is having on offense and generating points. So these teams are going are basically saying we're not going to make a lot of mistakes and possibly turn the ball over. Louisville went strictly running after they had a couple interceptions, so. Um, is that more of is that more of because they know BC struggling on offense that they're just going to run the ball, or BC struggling versus the run on defense? I don't know. You have to look at all the drive charts and see the three and out, see the third down conversion. Syracuse wasn't good on third down, I believe. Um, I believe they were two for ten or three for eleven or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. I, I lost track as the game went on, but BC did a really good job on third down. So then you're kind of like, well. Maybe they did play better than we think. Just you can't look at it as yards. I don't like to look at yards anymore because I think in today's college football, it's it's just kind of a, a non-helpful stat. Uh, but you got to kind of take it all as a whole as to where they are as a team, not just defensively but offensively as well. Okay, let's transition now. Virginia Tech, the Hokies, four and four. They lost to Syracuse two weeks ago. Then they beat Georgia Tech. Uh, just kind of preview this game, Scott. Uh, what can we expect? Friday night game at the Heights, quick week. I mean, lose. We BC's lost four in a row. We've talked about that. So important. Get get a W here versus the Hokies. Yeah, and it's, it's the Red Bandana game they have, which is always uh, which is always an emotional time for BC. But I mean, to what to expect? You're going to expect what you've seen the last two weekends from Louisville and Syracuse. Similar type offenses. Uh, Virginia has a little more playmaking in the, on the perimeter, um, uh, throwing the football. Uh, uh, Bowmeister, a quarterback, is, is pretty good. Um, they have great running. They have a great running game. Their running back um, actually has, has 
know, has had some big games. He's a little bit different than Tucker was from Syracuse, a little more speed, not as much uh, as power, but still similar philosophy. So you're you're probably going to see a game plan quite similar to what BC has seen the last two weeks. And for them, that's a good thing because they can, you know, they already have it in the bank of what they need to do, but, you know, they need to go out and kind of execute that defensively. And then offensively, um, you know, Virginia Tech is, is going to is gonna do what everybody else has done. It, it's at this point until BC proves that they can, on defense, stop a run, and on offense, convert some big plays and put points on the board. Defenses are going to continue giving them the same looks that they've been getting. So that's what you really need to see is them be able to kind of conquer the challenge and go out there and execute. And, and if they do that, um, then confidence is a, you know can start rolling in the positive side and then good things can happen. But they really just need to to kind of tighten the reins and, and get back into there and, and, and execute on some of these plays, and someone's going to have to step up to make that big play that they need to kind of break out of this funk. And, yeah, you're no, no doubt about it. Funk it is. We're talking. And then, you know, we got to start talking about bowls too. Not, the team doesn't care about that, but you need two more wins, uh, four games to go. So that's something we'll kind of file away, keep it going here as we progress the last couple of weeks. Well, Scott, to wrap everything else, how was the trip? I was I was traveling on Saturday. I listened to you guys on the radio on Sirius. Sounded good. Uh, how was the overall trip to Syracuse? Yeah, you were in my hometown, so uh, hopefully the people of Cleveland treated you well and uh, you had <laughs> a good experience. Um, you know, we had a good trip to Dinosaur Barbecue, which is a staple for us when we go out there. Had a you know a really good meal and uh, with a good crew. Uh, it's always nice to hang out with the broadcast crew and. What's the go-to dinosaur order? What's your go-to order? Pulled pork? So I'm a, a, uh, I'm a guy, as I've mentioned, I like many different tastes. So I went with a combo, a two-way combo. Nice, uh, nice. St. Louis ribs and um, the half chicken. So um, wow. you get a nice little pork and chicken with side of mac and cheese and some coleslaw, which was quite nice. Cornbread was kind of a nice little treat to end it off with. So it was a, it was a really good <laughs> a really good trip for my belly uh, <laughs> luckily had some time the next day in the gym to work some of it off but uh yeah it was it's always a, uh, a good trip uh, food wise to go there because they haven't disappointed well it's always fun we're back at chestnut hill this friday we'll be listening scott as always thank you so much for the time joining us i appreciate it mike and uh, hopefully let's get a win next week there you go go eagles Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.